It is so good to see everyone here with us this morning. And uh, if you're a guest here with us today, we want to say welcome to you. Thank you for joining us for worship this morning here at Westgate Memorial Baptist Church. And in the pew rack in front of you, you'll find a guest information card uh, that you can take and you can fill that out and, uh, and place that uh, in the... Well, no, never mind. Boy, I'm going back to the day. You can drop it off by the, uh, co the communication desk out here uh, in the atrium uh, after, uh, after the, the service. And uh, so, Warren, Alex, Jenna, y'all all watching? I see it. Right there. Inside joke, sorry. And so, I put it back. And so, but if you are a guest here with us today, <laughs> boy, y'all have just all gone, woof. <laughs> And so, but it is good to see everyone here today, and we are glad that you're here with us if you are a guest with us. And as I shared uh, with the children, there are these invitation cards that are on the pews there uh, with you, and if you would pass those down, I'm sure everybody in here has at least one friend uh, that they could share this with. Just a simple invitation to be in church uh, next Sunday. Take it with you to lunch today and leave it for, leave it for your server uh, it could be something as simple uh, as that. But invite somebody to be a part of our services here at Westgate or service somewhere uh, next uh, Easter, uh, this coming Easter uh, Sunday. And then um, the men uh, on Wednesdays are going through uh, a book by Paul David Tripp uh, called Do You Believe?, and it's uh, 12 doctrines uh, of the Christian uh, faith. And in his section on creation, uh, Dr. Tripp makes a statement that has stuck with me uh, for some reason. I mean, it has just landed uh, on me, and uh, has, I, I, can't, I can't, get, can't get past it. But basically, he says, when we read the story of creation that it has become so familiar to us that we lose the awe and wonder, we lose the amazement of who God truly is. And I got to thinking, you know, that is the case with so many things in Scripture. And Easter, Palm Sunday, Passion Week being one of those things that it has become so familiar to us that we have lost the true meaning. We have lost the awe and wonder of what took place over the course of that week. It's the reason we come here every Sunday. But we have become so familiar with it that we have lost the awe and the wonder of a God who sent His only Son to die on the cross that we might be restored to a right relationship with him. So, out in the atrium, there is an eight and a half by 11 sheet that is a uh, Bible reading guide through this next week. You know, we get so busy during the week that we can just blow through this next week and not think about all of the things that took place 2,000 years ago. But I would hope that you would pick up, they're spread out through the atrium, to grab one of these sheets and to read each day what took place during Passion Week leading up to Resurrection Sunday. 
so that when we come together next Sunday, it will be Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we will be able to shout that at the top of our voices and truly mean and truly know and truly stand in awe of the God who loves us. So grab one of these sheets and be a part of that uh, Bible reading uh, through, this, uh, through this next week. Also coming up this Wednesday is Res Week. And for those of you who may not know what Res Week is, is we serve lunch out at Lamar uh, Baptist Student Ministry uh, on Wednesday. And uh, the BSM, they put on an evangelical week uh, this next week, reaching out to students uh, with the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And we have the opportunity to serve lunch to them uh, on Wednesday. There's a sign-up sheet out in the atrium. You can sign up to be a part of that. Maybe you can only provide a dessert. There's a place on there where you can sign up to bring uh, a dessert. If you're going to bring a dessert, we need those uh, in the kitchen by noon uh, on Tuesday. And uh, so, but uh, if you haven't had a chance to sign up to be a part of that through your Bible study class, uh, you can sign up this morning uh, out uh, in uh, the atrium. So, uh, Raymond and Michelle are not here this morning, as you can, as you can tell. Uh, they are in Fort Worth with uh, Ben and Megan as uh, Trinity Baptist Church launches uh, this morning. Uh, this is their first official uh, Sunday of having uh, uh, worship services that are open uh, to uh, the public, and so they had the opportunity to be there with them. So pray for uh, Trinity River Baptist Church today as they launch there uh, in, uh, in Fort Worth. And uh, so that brings us to Palm Sunday and what Palm Sunday is all about. And so Jesus' earthly ministry is coming is coming to a climax. His three years here on earth is coming to an end. And it's, it's coming to a climax as he prepares to make his entry into Jerusalem. And so as he has come up to this thing, things have reached a fever pitch. He has been on his way to Jerusalem for some time now. And he kind of took a little detour to go to Bethany to do just a simple thing, raise Lazarus from the dead, you know, no big deal. So he takes a little detour to Bethany and he raises Lazarus from the dead. And man, that creates a major stir. But he leaves from Bethany and he goes back to Jericho. He goes back to Jericho where he meets a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. I'm not sure we can still sing that song. Jana, is that one still allowed in preschool? <laughs> but he meets Zacchaeus there, and he changes Zacchaeus' life. You know, Zacchaeus was a hated tax collector. But he changes Zacchaeus' life, and Zacchaeus gives back all that he had taken from the people, and then some. But on his way out of Jericho, he encounters Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, and he heals Bartimaeus. 
And so he's, he's, ramping, he's ramping things up. He's creating more and more of a stir as these things have happened. And so he leaves Jericho, and that will be the end. That will be the end of his, uh, of his earthly ministry outside of Jerusalem. And he leaves Jericho, and he makes his way to Bethany. And of course, Bethany is the home of Lazarus. He goes back. He goes back to the home of Lazarus. And there's a man that lives there in Bethany by the name of Simon the leper. How would you like for that to be your name, to be known as Simon the leper? But he goes back to Bethany, and he is the honored guest at a dinner at the home of Simon the leper. And this is kind of the building up. Everything is building up to this next day. And he's, at, he's the honored guest at the home of Simon the leper. And during that dinner, during that dinner, <laughs> I kept seeing something move behind me and... Um, Is that really necessary, guys? <laughs> I think the people up in the balcony can see me just fine. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> but anyway, Simon, he's at the home of Simon the leper. He's the honored guest at this dinner. And then Mary, Mary, the sister of Lazarus, comes in. And they don't realize it, but she is about to do something that's going to usher in Passion Week. She takes a very expensive perfume and she breaks it. And she anoints Jesus with his oil. She anoints Jesus with this perfume. And she dries, she dries his feet, she wipes his feet with her hair. Of course, the administrator of the bunch, the betrayer of the bunch, he fusses at Mary. You know, hey, that could have been sold and given to the poor. You know, there's always somebody that wants to rain on the parade. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. And this act will be remembered until even today. We speak of this act even today. And she has anointed Jesus in preparation for what will take place starting the very next day. So we find the events of the triumphal entry in all four Gospels. And what is interesting is with each of the Gospels, they each have something unique in them that the other Gospel doesn't have. And so because of that, because of this fact, I will be reading this morning out of the daily Bible reading chronological Bible. 
If you've never read out of a chronological Bible, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. They take the Gospels and they put them in chronological uh, order. And so I will be reading out of the uh, Daily Bible in chronological order this morning because I want you to see the different aspects from the different Gospels that you don't get if you just read one of them. Now you get the gist of the whole story, but each one includes something that is unique to itself. So beginning with John chapter 12, verses 12 through 13, the next day the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. So let me stop right there for just a second. So we have this great crowd. Now Jesus has not made it to Jerusalem yet. He's still in Bethany. It's depending upon which commentator that you read the population of Jerusalem at this time can go anywhere from 100,000 to a million. That, that's, a, that's, a pretty wide, that's a pretty wide spread, but there's argumentation about how, just how many people. There were a lot. There were a bunch of people, and there were even more people in Jerusalem at this time because it was about time for the Passover. So everybody from the surrounding areas were coming to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Now, Bethany is only a couple of miles outside of Jerusalem to the east. Jerusalem was not big enough to hold all of these pilgrims that had come from all of these different areas. So you had people all outside the city and probably had people spread from Jerusalem all the way to Bethany that were there for Passover. So you had this crowd that had been following Jesus on his three-year journey anyway. And so they were already there. And then you had the other people who were showing up for Passover. So as he was beginning, as he was getting ready for the triumphal entry, there was already a large group of people around him. And the rumors were spreading. It was known, hey, Jesus is about to make his entrance into Jerusalem. And so the, the rumors were spreading, so the crowd was already hyped up. The crowd was already hyped up anyway because of Passover. Passover always brought thoughts of the coming Messiah. We were delivered from Egypt. We now need to be delivered from Rome. And this could be the Passover where the Messiah finally returns. So there was already a heightened excitement for Passover and the possibility of deliverance for the Messiah. So it was, it was a perfect storm. And so Jesus is getting ready. And so the people began to take their palm branches. And palm branches for the Jewish people was a sign of victory. It was a sign of celebration. And so they took their palm branches and they began to wave their palm branches and they began to shout, Hosanna, which means save us. 
Save us now. Hosanna, it's an exclamation of praise. But they didn't just stop with Hosanna. They said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then notice this next phrase. Blessed is the king of Israel. They were ready to crown Jesus as king of Israel. If he wasn't going to take the throne, we're going to put him on the throne. So they began to declare him as the king of Israel. Jesus is coming to deliver them, but he's not coming to deliver them according to their expectations. They are going to be sadly disappointed. They're going to be even driven to anger to where at the end of the week, these shouts of praise turn into shouts of condemnation. He's not what they are expecting. But they are praising him. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And if you're following along, you can jump over to Luke chapter 19, verse 29. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. So let me stop right there for a second. Jesus is in complete control. He is writing the script. Were these supernatural events or had Jesus pre-planned these events? He knew what was going to... It really doesn't matter. He had put them in place. He was in charge. He was going to write the final script. Nobody else was going to determine how this day was going to be played out. He had written the script. And, you know, we read through here and we just, you know, at the hill called the Mount of Olives. Okay, well, the Mount of Olives, that's outside of Jerusalem. That's just, and we kind of skim over the significance of that. Why? Jesus could have come in from any side. He could have come in from the north. He could have come in from the south. He could have come in from the west. But no, he's coming in from the east from the east, where the Messiah will arrive from. Jewish tradition, the Messiah will come from the Mount of Olives, from the east of Jerusalem. So it's not by chance that he chose that he's coming in from the Mount of Olives. He is announcing his Messiahship. He is announcing the arrival of the Son of God. 
And so he is coming in from the Mount of Olives. What's the other big event that happens on the Mount of Olives? That's where his ascension takes place. It's not just by happenstance that he's coming in from the Mount of Olives. And it's not by chance that the colt, the colt, the foal of a donkey that they're going to get has never been ridden. Jesus isn't going to use a used donkey. He's going to use the colt, the foal of a donkey that has never been ridden. Now, I don't know if you're weird like me and think about things like this. But if you have ever gotten on a donkey, a horse, a mule, whatever the case may be, that has never been ridden, it usually does not turn out well. <laughs> but there's no issue. There is no issue here. And finally, in this section, why are you... Uh, he says, untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, Jesus needs it. Or this prophet that we've been following around needs it. No. He says, you tell them the Lord is in need of it. There is no longer going to be any question. There is no longer going to be any secrecy about who Jesus is. He is now revealing who he is and he is clarifying it one step at a time. What had he done up to this point? Hey, don't tell anybody what I've done for you. He would avoid the crowds. He would be very inconspicuous. But now, now is the time to pull back the veil. And he says, you tell them the Lord needs it. Jesus begins to reveal himself with increasing clarity. Matthew chapter 21 verses 4 and 5 this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet say to daughter Zion see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey that's not that's not the symbol of a military conqueror that's not the symbol of even royalty but he is fulfilling he is fulfilling the prophecy your king is coming to you gentle gentle and riding on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey he is coming to be a conqueror but he's not coming to conquer Rome. He's coming to conquer the grave and to conquer death and to conquer sin. He's coming to be a deliverer. 
but not to deliver them from Rome, but to deliver them from themselves. John chapter 12, and I'm sorry, we're going to be jumping around here. If you can follow me, great. If not, don't worry about it. I'm going to read it to you. John chapter 12, verse 16. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. It was basically the same story for three years. The disciples just did what Jesus told them to do, and they didn't necessarily understand why. There would come a time when they would, but at this point, hey, Jesus told us to go find this donkey. Everything's happened the way he said it would up to this point. They have no reason to doubt, and they go. And as it tells us in Mark chapter 11, starting with verse 4, they went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway, as they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing, untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Jesus had not ridden anything other than a boat up to this point. We don't see anywhere in Scripture that Jesus had ridden on a horse or a donkey or a mule or anything other than a boat up to this point. So why now? Why now? Why does he now choose to ride a donkey into Jerusalem instead of walking into Jerusalem? Inconspicuous is over. He no longer is going to be in the background. It's now time to make his grand entrance, his triumphal entrance. The triumphal entry marks the end of Jesus avoiding the crowds and the secrecy of who he is. This entrance is very public. It's very public. And he doesn't discourage the crowd's worship. He is declaring who he is. He is declaring his Messiahship. So Luke 19, verses 37 through 40 when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Every time I read this verse, I think of Travis Brown. Because if by chance you used the word rocks in the place of stones, he would correct you. 
because there's a big difference and it doesn't say the rocks will cry out as a lot of people will use in songs or different things the stones will cry out now first of all let me back up here just a second so they're continuing they're continuing to praise Jesus as he comes in to Jerusalem but now they're ramping it up even more in the terminology that they use the king who comes in the name of the Lord the Lord has sent this king peace in heaven and glory in the highest they begin to tie him to his father now did they know what they were doing maybe I don't think so because why were they praising him they were praising him because of everything that they had seen up to that point they were praising him for what he had done they weren't necessarily praising him for who he was they were praising him for all the miracles that they had seen him do but they were tying him they were now tying him to God the Father and the religious leaders are that's enough that's enough you need to tell your disciples to hush and I'm sure they didn't put it that politely you need to tell them to be quiet and Jesus said if they keep quiet the stones will cry out now there's two opinions as far as what that phrase actually means there's some who believe that that phrase means that hey nature is more aware of what's going on than you are and if these people were to be quiet and they will all these praises are going to disappear the stones will cry out in their place the other thought ties this to verses that we will read here in just a moment that the stones here refer to the stones of the temple and that when the temple is destroyed that the stones will cry out in judgment the judgment that will finally come upon the city of Jerusalem but here's what it comes down to God could make those stones cry out in whatever way whether it's praise or judgment either one if we fail to praise God nature all around us speaks of his glory and declares his majesty the scripture tells us that and so when we fail to do our job nature will do it for us mark chapter 11 verse 8 many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields so they were in essence they were laying out the red carpet for Jesus to come in they were laying out the red carpet for him to come in to Jerusalem laying their cloaks on the road was a sign of submission was a sign of saying we recognize you we recognize your position 
and we're laying out the red carpet for your, for your entrance. And then Luke 19, verse 41 through 44. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept. Now this isn't just a tear streaming down his cheek. He bitterly wept. This is the strongest, this is the strongest Greek word you could use for wept. He wept over it. He wept over Jerusalem and said, if you even, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This is A.D. 30, 33, somewhere in there. This would not take place until A.D. 70. So Jesus is telling Jerusalem of their future some 40 years down the road. Rome is going to come in. They are going to lay siege to this city. They're going to kill everybody within these walls and they're going to tear your precious temple down stone by stone there will not be one stone left upon another now most of these people most some of them were probably dead by the time that they happened the ones that were still alive probably did not remember what jesus said about this but it came to pass just as he said their judgment is coming. But I want us to focus on this one phrase. If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. The peace that you're crying out for is not the peace that you need. The salvation that you're crying out for is not the salvation that you need. The restoration that you are crying out for is not the restoration that you need. The people of Israel, they wanted salvation from Rome. They wanted restoration of their nation. They wanted peace and prosperity. They wanted the days of David to return. And Jesus is saying, that is not the peace that you need the peace that you need is the peace that I am bringing to you the salvation that you need is the salvation that I am bringing to you the restoration that you need is the restoration that can only be found in me that's what you need but they did not recognize that if they had only known on that day what would bring them peace. In Matthew 21, verses 10 and 11, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city, 
the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? What? Have you been living under a rock? What do you mean, who is this? Well, don't be surprised at the question because most of Jesus' ministry up to this point did not take place in the city of Jerusalem. It took place out in the outer areas, around Galilee, in Nazareth, in all of these different places. So the people of Jerusalem had probably heard of him, but they didn't necessarily know him by sight. And so the question is not what we should be surprised at as, who is this? The surprise should be when the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The prophet? The prophet? No, this is the Son of God. All of this time you've been following and you haven't picked up on that yet? They still just think of him as a prophet. They've seen all the miracles. They've seen, they've heard the teaching. But yet they're willing to take that step that he truly is the Son of God. John 12, verses 17 through 19. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See? See? We told you. See? This is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Oh Lord, may it be. And one day it will. Oh Lord, may it be that one day the whole world would go out after him. Now, of course, this is an exaggeration on the part of the religious leaders because they feel like they have totally lost control now. There's nothing that they can do. We should have killed him when we had the chance, but they didn't really have the chance. Jesus, that God was not going to allow that to happen. So their exaggeration, because they're frustrated, they're angry, they're losing control, but they don't realize that they're actually spouting prophecy as well because the world is about to be turned on its ear. The message is about to go out to the whole world. Read the book of Acts. And the New Testament church is going to be put in place. And they think Jesus is a problem for them now? Oh, just wait. Our world has been turned on its ear in a three-year time frame from a pandemic. Pandemic. 
And I want you to reflect on some of the emotions that you've had during that time. And think about the three years that Jesus was on this earth and the change that he brought to this world in those three years. He was about to unleash his disciples on an unknowing society. And see thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people come to know him for who he truly is. And Warren shared this scripture with us earlier out of Revelation, but Revelation tells us that every tribe, every nation, every tongue will be represented in heaven. The whole world will come after him. The whole world one day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Amen? So don't let this week go by as just another week. Immerse yourself in God's word this week so that when we come together as the body of Christ next week, you are ready to worship the true living Lord who was crucified, who was buried, and has risen from the grave and sits at the right hand of the Father. You may be here this morning and you've never crossed that line initially. You've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. If he has revealed himself to you this morning, don't let this day go by without responding to him. Our deacons and their wives will be in the back of the sanctuary if you would like to pray with them or if you would like to speak uh, with one of them. Uh, I will be over here uh, at the crosses, or you can stop by the communication desk out in the foyer. But if God has spoken to you this morning, do not let this day go by without responding to him. Warren. You gave yourself for us so that we could have eternal life. And Father, I pray that if there's anybody here today that doesn't have that personal relationship with you, that they will re reach out to you. Go and seek one of the deacons. Go and seek Jeff. Reach out to somebody that can lead them to a saving faith.
May Jesus be glorified here in this place as we sing this final song. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Don't forget to bring your flower for the Living Cross next week. Have a great week.